0: You're listening to Convos with the Collective, the Denver Women's Sports Collective podcast, where we feature stories, life lessons, and advice from women throughout sports, events, and marketing. Here we are on another episode of Convos with the Collective. Today, I'm so excited. We have Betty Tran, the Chief Marketing Officer for Fivo. We love Fivo over here. They're our biggest supporters, biggest fans. So thank you so much, Betty, for taking the time to chat with us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know you've had a lot of experience in live events and you've had some fun stories you've shared with me. So we'll start there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I have my background is a bit diverse. So I started my career licensing music for television and film, funny enough. Um, and the way I got into live events was I was doing a remix for a theme song for the show called 24. And At that time, EDM music wasn't, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't pop music or anything like that. And actually it was known as stripper music back in its heyday. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) It was was like, hey, find a DJ to remix the theme song, you know, some stripper Mm -hmm. music. And I was like, okay, cool. What ended up happening was I had like two jobs. So I was an assistant at Fox and I was um, like running the door at a club. And I remember asking my buddy, um, Saul Schaefer, who's a really renowned um, talent booker. I was like, hey, do you know anyone um, that would remix the song? And he's like, I got someone. His name is Armin Van Buren. And at that time, Armin oh my Van gosh. Buren. Yeah, do you know who he is? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's okay. a huge name. So yeah, at that time, I was like, okay. He was like, climbing up the um, trance charts or whatever. And he actually came to the studios He agreed to do the remix and he did the remix and everyone loved it. And, you know, at that point, I I was like dabbling in like video editing stuff. So I took some footage from the show and I took the song and I gave it to a buddy and he edited it. And, you know, we just gave it to Armin and his team and and they kind of promoted it on BBC radio and all this stuff. Well, fast forward, let's call it nine months it's Coachella. And it's, and if you Google it, it's the only Coachella Armin played. And I forget what year it is, but he calls me out of the blue. I'm literally on my couch, like just watching TV and he's like, Hey, Betty, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. He's like, Hey, the, they sent the car to the wrong airport. Would you mind picking me up and taking me to Coachella? (laughs) Oh my God, it's amazing. And I'm like, cool. I drive like a 92 Jetta, right? Like just like, (laughs) just like setting expectations because I'm like, "Um, I'm an assistant. You're calling me to take you to Coachella, which is like a really massive festival, but okay, cool. Right. So i I picked him up. It's him and his manager. And this, back in the day, they didn't travel with USB um, sticks. They actually had like a travel case full of like records. And so like, so then you're getting in the car and I'm driving. And this period of time isn't like as secure as it is now. So they basically wave my car. I drive behind, I park behind the stage and I'm like, Oh my God. Thank you so much. Like I'm, I'm cool. Right. Cause I got like all access to Coachella. Yeah. Well, he's, he gives me a big hug and he's like, Betty, I got you for life. Like, like, thank you so much. He gets on the stage. He opens up the set with 24 the video that my friend edited and the song. And there were like three Fox executives out in the audience and I got promoted. That's literally got promoted like two weeks later and it was you know the digital boom came, the live events boom came, and that's how I got started. Isn't that funny? So every that is time we such see a artists, killer story. <laughs> we just we literally just laugh about it all the time. As like my career escalated, and obviously he became, it still is. I think like one of the top ten DJs in the world. Right. It's always a running joke between us.
0: That's hysterical. And did it, did he have like his whole like crew
1: with him, or was it just him? Like it was him and his manager Sonder. But he's like a—he's a super low-key guy. He doesn't like have a massive entourage. He's just like one of my favorite people in the industry. Such a nice, warm guy, a family man. But yeah, it was—that was not the phone call I was expecting. Was to pick someone just randomly, like, "Hey, pick me up. Can you take me to Coachella for my set?"
0: Yeah, cool. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is hysterical. It's so funny. I was just gonna ask you what your most memorable. Uh, moment working in events but I think you just
1: answered it. (laughs) Well you know there's that but I think like there's you know because I saw this question come up there's so many memorable moments but I think like when you work in events and I can tell you working EDC Vegas like it's at the Las Vegas Speedway Motorsports Uh and like You know, I I, I think you know this. When you work in events, you're almost like a traveling circus. It's like a family, right? So you're like bickering, you're fighting, you love each other, you don't. It's like this and that. But the moment when those doors open to any event, but particularly EDC Vegas, Mm -hmm. you're at the top and you just look at all these fans running down the stairs just in such like pure happiness, you're like, you know what? It's all, it's worth it. This moment is worth it when you see just mm-hmm. how happy, wh- what joy you bring to these people.
0: Yeah, that's like a big why for me too of why I work on the team side is just like kind of those memories you make for people is really, really re- rewarding, especially for, for kids. And you being a mom, I'm sure you can relate.
1: Oh yeah, you know, I had, um, it's funny, I Fivo this uh, kid, He didn't receive his ticket. He was going back and forth. I can say it now because the game happened. Um, But he was going back and forth and he was so specific on his seats. And I was Mm -hmm. like, huh. So I called him and I said, hey, can I ask you a question? And he was like, yeah, sure. I said, are you proposing to someone? Because you're so particular about the location of your seats. And he said, yes. And so I was able to call the team to do like put it up on the uh, screen as oh, it was that's happening. Awesome. But isn't that funny Yeah, it's like, there are very specific moments and events, it's sports, music, whatever, where you're bringing joy and just like memories to people. Right? So mm-hmm. that's why for us on the event side of production marketing, no matter what department you work in, it's just so that customer experience is just so important.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, too, like, obviously you went from being in the thick of it with events. Now you're over, like, to the the tech and the manager, like the marketing side with FIVO. Like, what what was been the biggest difference, I guess, transition from your day-to-day from going? I mean, you were really in the thick of it. You're picking people up from the airport. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I mean, you know, it's so funny. I always tell people, um, the more you climb up the totem pole, the more you get removed from the day-to-day, right? Like even preparing for this, like a lot of um, a lot of the copy and a lot of it was written by my team. And so mm-hmm. it's like, as you climb up the totem pole, you just realize how important a team is to your success and vice versa, right? So right. I would say the biggest difference, and, and I actually like to get into the weeds a lot, to be honest with you, because I love talking to the consumers, but it's mm-hmm. that, it, it's like, um, the biggest difference is just letting go it's like you you gotta let go a little bit you have an amazing team if you have an amazing team you can definitely let go um right but it's it, I, I miss it though i do miss the uh having those conversations which is why i'll randomly call consumers if i see them like um get upset on twitter i'll always yeah. ask them for their phone number <laughs> oh my god that's like the consumer's worst nightmare like having
0: to talk to someone on the phone <laughs>
1: like when they're
0: complaining on Twitter and they're like oh
1: man (laughs) I have to deal with a real person now (laughs) yeah I always ask for the phone number I'm like "Well, what's your phone number because you it's like even with your friends like text messaging gets like lost in translations like Mm -hmm. email tone all of that stuff gets lost in translation and I know we move into a world of like digital and automation and AI and, and all of those things right but there's still an element of human interaction that's necessary. And I don't know if for me, it's just, I'm old school. Right. And like that stuff is important to me, Mm -hmm. but I, uh, it it is something that I like to, I like to do, like just reach out to people and talk to them.
0: Yeah. I think too. It's like, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's something that kind of gets missed now too, because I mean, gosh, how long have we been for the last couple of years been only conversing digitally um, there's been a lot less in person
1: interaction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and it's something just to it's said
0: just, Even about just picking up the phone.
1: Yeah. And it's just different, right? And I also think it's like generation difference, right? Like right. I, I come from that school where it's like, hey, you have an issue, pick up the phone, call. Like, and, you know, there's this new generation that's like, it's digital. It's like we respond on Slack or like we, re- you know, we respond on email or things like that, where, you know, I think both generations have to adapt like i i definitely know i have to adapt to you know the the younger generation coming in and this is how they communicate right and just like it's funny because i my team i always tease my team i'm always like i was like you can always call me i'll answer the phone for you you know (laughs) it's it's just so different right like a a lot of people are used to like text messaging um and then if you're old school you you know, like if I respond, okay, then I'm like, oh my God, is that short? Is someone going to take that like the wrong way? Or do I do okay with a smiley face? Like, is that how, is that how I should respond? Right. <laughs> I if know, I put the smiley like, pet, pa- you know, It's smiley like a first face, date or something. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's too funny. So
0: tell us a little bit more about like what you do on your day-to-day at FIbo like as like in their marketing department, leading their marketing team? Um, Obviously, you guys, I know, have all different projects. I feel like every time I talk to you guys, you're working on something new. But if you had to kind of generalize it, what would you say?
1: Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, as the CMO CMO of the company, it's defining FIBA's voice, right? Mm -hmm. And then how do we amplify it and take it across our product, our outbound marketing partners and consumer messaging, right? Sure. A lot of our marketing today is very much focused on B2B. So, you know, speaking to potential and existing FIVO partners, right? To promote our brand, tech innovations, partnerships, but also like how do we help our partners um, increase awareness and in sales, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the exciting part, that's the exciting part for, for us as a team is like, we have a truly differentiated product that can, that basically can help and transform our partners businesses. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I feel like we've achieved quite a bit during COVID. I mean, COVID definitely was a very interesting time. And I think Ari, our CEO, definitely led the company in a very inspirational way, especially during that time, because I think there was so much uncertainty Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, people people were worried. I had tons of friends across the industry who were just worried and his mantra was just very inspiring. And obviously we came out on the other side. And then, you know, as part of marketing, um, I'm responsible for the customer experience which is just reset, just FYI. <laughs> you wouldn't know that by the title on LinkedIn. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm responsible for the customer experience across um, product fulfillment and support. So it's exciting to see FIBA kind of grow and, and scale rapidly.
0: Absolutely. And I can completely agree with you like being on the team side and having that uncertainty day to day of what the next year, never mind future years, we're going to look like. Um, I mean, Who would you say? And I mean, you mentioned Ari, and I know uh, quite a bit about Ari and what a great leader he's been. Just for people who I know who have worked for Fivo and people who have interacted with him. But who would you say are your role models? Like, and what do you personally look for when you're looking for leadership in this industry?
1: Bozama St. John is definitely someone who I don't personally know. I know through like just like uh, acquaintances here and there. But she's the CMO of Netflix and just a really inspiring story that she has, and she's very um, public and unapologetic about it. Um, she's had a very versatile career. So when I look at people who are role models and people who you know, are mentors, it's people who's kind of breaking new ground and people, to be honest with you, who are unapologetic for who they are, who are open about right. their mistakes, and they're vulnerable, right? And she's just one of those people that I look at, I admire, and I'm like, wow, like she's definitely had a roller coaster of a career. She's definitely had a roller coaster in her personal life, and she's come out on the other side to tell her story. And I think that there's that's something very, um, you know, there's just something so vulnerable about it that I think it's so great to see leaders who can step up to the plate be open not be perfect and you know just be vulnerable and honest
0: I can't agree with that more like I just feel like there's a kind of an absence when it comes to leadership and fessing up almost to their mistakes right like (laughs) oh yeah for people that are in in like subordinate roles even myself even though I'm in a hiring position I'm still managed managerial level just being able to see that hey like people still make mistakes like this is the way to approach those kind of situations I feel like those those learning opportunities are few and far between sometimes
1: yeah and you have to be okay making mistakes right you're never gonna be better without making those mistakes I always feel like people You know, also need to realize that you're you're not going to be better. You're not going to be the best version of yourself if you don't make mistakes. Right. So it's important to make those mistakes and learn from it. Right. And I've had to learn over time. It's got to be an age thing too. As I've gotten older, it's like I'm less. (laughs) I'm definitely not defensive. I'm self-aware. Right. It's like you know. That's why I hire people who are better and smarter than me in, right. in certain areas, right? Because- And you like, gotta be humble and know that that's yes. like an asset, right? Totally, like my our head of um, content and my head of digital and my head of creative, they're brilliant, right? Like sure. I, I am not better than them, quote unquote, in those categories, right? Like yeah. at this point in my career, my job is to remove the obstacles right just remove the obstacles in their way for them to you know just kill it in their roles and so but I've had to learn that through kind of mentors and people I inspire. and you know I I was funny I was watching Shang-Chi which is the new Marvel movie I bring it up because just culturally it's just like um You know, people are like, oh, it's a great, like, it's a great superhero movie. But I was watching the movie in the theater with my kids and my fiance, and I just started crying in the theater. Mm -hmm. And my fiance looked at me, he's like, are you okay? And I was just like, it wasn't a sad scene. It was like, you know, things are blowing up and like fighting and like things like that. But it was just sitting there, like tearing up and crying because like my kids hopefully will never understand that struggle. right, Right, of like not seeing themselves on the screen or the struggle of like, you know, I'm supposed to be a quote unquote quiet female Asian worker, right? Like they they don't have to live with that stuff. And so, you know, I think part of when I look at role models, just circle back on the question, it's like I've had to break boundaries that were uncomfortable for me so then I look at Blasana St. John, I look at the film Shang-Chi, which was a big risk. Everyone says, oh, Marvel, blah, 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 huge risk. You have predominantly an Asian cast who's not known in the U.S., right? Who mm-hmm. The the film is likely banned in China due mm-hmm. to reasons, right? Mm-hmm. You just look at that, like, wow, these people were vulnerable, they took risk, you know, they were open and honest and Know that's important to me, and that's important to me to pass on to like anyone who's around me my peers, people I work with, my kids. I think it's just like such uh, important qualities. I think, too, like,
0: and you kind of touched on that just being a mother, like, we're super we try really hard to support the mothers in our group that work in the sports industry. Cause like we, not only is motherhood a full-time job, but working in sports, you're working long hours. Like I feel like just breaking that stigma alone through pop culture is, is really important to us anyways. And in, in finding those good examples.
1: Oh yeah. Like being a, a mother, a single mother mm-hmm. or a mother in general is it is the pressures are just so different because you're also putting pressure on yourself, right? And so you're saying, oh, I can be that super mom. I can work a 12 hour day and I can give you the full attention that you need. And then when you don't, when you fail is not the word, but when you don't, um, when you're not as a hundred percent on either side there's this like self-loathing that takes place right Mm -hmm. and it's such an unfortunate thing and so as as I've gotten older and surrounded myself with the right people the right people will lift you up right and it's really important when you start out in your career and it's you start out your career it's almost like it can be ruthless right? right and It can be so ruthless. So it's so important to just like uplift each other and like just be there because you never know what's going on behind someone's closed doors, right? Exactly. Like, you know, when I was getting divorced, everyone was like, oh, she's Betty Tran. She's the strongest person in the world. Like, ah, it wasn't even a big deal. inside though you're like oh my god my family's falling apart like Mm -hmm. is it because I overworked is it because like I felt this responsibility you just go through this process Mm -hmm. and unfortunately as like a mother you almost go through it alone because like society says that the mom shouldn't work society says Mm -hmm. that you know like it just is all this definition so it's You know, it's important to surround yourself with the right support group, the right people. You know, sports and entertainment, I would say entertainment as a whole has its Mm -hmm. issues, right? Slowly Mm -hmm. but surely. Slowly but surely, we're trying to break it down, you know. And and obviously, men and women are so different. Like I can, I watched like a group of boys just like beat each other up and be fine the next day, right? Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> That's like your house and, on a regular basis.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then as like women, it's like we hold on to things. But as I've gotten older, it's really, it's been really important to me to support like female causes, especially young women coming into the industry who don't know. Uh, there's just little things that you don't know there's big things it's like you just don't know um so it's really important to be surrounded by like a you know uplifting people even if you're in a cutthroat environment if you have a couple people who you who can uplift you I think you're still winning
0: and that honestly is one of the biggest reasons that we founded this group is just to so that people felt, especially because like we both have experienced moving to different cities and and working in for different organizations outside of somewhere where we might have called home like having that support system especially of women because we know sometimes women can be catty or not a, yeah. <laughs> not not the nicest to each other so having like someone that they know that they can a group that they can join and be a part of and feel supported is was huge for us what would you what would you say like what would be the advice that you would give to young girls breaking
1: into this industry I a a couple of things I always like to say to people is you can always ask So what I find with young women is that they don't ask, right? So if you don't ask, you don't really get an answer of yes or no. You just have an, I don't know, right? So it's like even fighting for salaries. Um, You know, if you make X and you want to make double that, if you don't ask, you're never going to get the answer or you're never going to get to a compromise salary that you want, right? I think (laughs) like I, obviously I hire people, so I negotiate with men and women all day. And, you know, men, they're fine asking for what they want. No problem. Women, on the other hand, even myself included, like I can't, I can negotiate for other people. I can't negotiate for myself, like for buying a car. I'll ask somebody else to help negotiate for me. Right. It's just just one of those things like you're self-aware about. You're right. for, For girls coming into the business, I would say like, you know, you should ask me and know what you're worth, right? Don't be afraid to ask for something and you know, you're worth that something, right? Even you saying
0: like, you ask for help when it comes to like a car purchase like that, again, it takes, it's just knowing like where you need that help and asking for it is a huge
1: asset to have. Yeah, you have to know that, right? And it's like, you know, I also found having like really good mentors entering in was important, right? I think Absolutely. But you have to do what's good. You have to do what's good for you. Right. And you know, there's stigma I, less now than when I was climbing up the totem pole. But like mental health, like mm-hmm. I think it's important. If you see, if you see a therapist, see a therapist. I do. You know, yep. every third. I think we all do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I huge proponent heard.
0: for mental health. I
1: friends say to me one time um if you don't see a therapist I think something's wrong with you (laughs) isn't it right isn't it I I need it on a (laughs) t-shirt right he was like I think there's something wrong with you if you don't see a therapist I was like okay right you know but yeah it's it's you know that kind of stuff is just so it's just so important. And in 10 years ago, if you were to ask me these questions, I probably would have answered differently, right? Like, right. but I was I was definitely humbled early in my career. And you know, it's definitely something that I cherish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Betty. All of these, I love your stories. I could talk to you all day, but where <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're a very busy lady. <laughs> but if people want to reach out to you and connect
1: with you, what's the best way? Oh, email. I'm like, oh, Instagram. No, my Instagram is private. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, oh, my Twitter. My Twitter yeah. is at Betty Tran one two two. There you or go. Or you can hit up. Um, you can hit up Hello Feebo. It's Sometimes it's me answering. You never know. Oh, there you go. I love that. A little bonus. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Awesome, Betty. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining this episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That wraps up this episode of Convos with the Collective. Thank you for joining us for today's Convo. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and post it to your social media. Tell your friends and catch the show notes on our website at www.denverwsc.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to catch each week's episode and follow us on all social platforms at Denver Women's Sports Collective so you don't miss a single combo. This podcast includes various hosts from the Denver Women's Sports Collective and was produced and edited by Allie Monroy.
1: Ever find yourself mindlessly browsing online? It's all fun and games until you see something you actually kind of want. To make sure you're not dreaming, you text your friend a link, what do you think of this jacket, you ask. By the time you hear back, you're onto other things a product forgotten, a cart abandoned. Until now, FIVO is revolutionizing the way we shop. It's an e commerce solution for brands to take back their consumers' engagement onto their own domain. Because you deserve that jacket. FIVO believes just as strongly in championing women in the workforce as it does revolutionizing the way we shop. That's why FIVO has partnered with the Denver Women's Sports Collective to provide resources, counsel, and strategic investment toward female professional growth. We at FIFA are proud to support the DWSC in 2021 and beyond.